Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a special message from a guest speaker, our very own pastoral intern, Chase McColeman. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Father, we thank you that you've blessed us with salvation. You've blessed us with your love. We thank you, Jesus. And Father, we just ask that you just send your spirit to be with us today, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Guys, we can put our hands together for Jesus. Good morning, Kingdom Church. So we're going to be in the book of Ezekiel today. I mean, if you guys don't mind standing just for a little bit longer. Um, it's a book in the Old Testament, which is the first section of the Bible. Um, and it's telling a story of God's people before the coming of Jesus. And a prophet um, is basically a person that God uses to relay his words to his people. So that's our context for today. Um, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 36. And we're going to be going from verses 16 to 32. But for the sake of our legs and standing for too long, I'm just going to read 22 to 27. Um, So therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Here's a good part. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I'm going to call this message today a new heart, a new heart. You guys can take a seat. So welcome to Kingdom Church. It's uh, it's so good to have you guys here today. My name is Chase, and I'm not usually the one that's up here, um, but our pastors are away this week getting some rest, and so I'm filling in. And honestly, it's just such a blessing to serve at a church where Pastors Harrison and Christy are so willing to give opportunities like this to help me grow and to help so many others in their gifts Um, to grow that God's given us. And so we're going to get right into it today. I got a lot to cover and not a lot of time. So you guys ready? Sounds good. Have you guys ever been trusted with something and then just messed it up big time? Yep. I had a lot of trouble figuring out a story for this illustration because there's been so many times in my life that I've been trusted with things and messed it up. But I figured I'd tell a story from my time as a finishing carpenter. And so right out of high school, then I went into carpentry. And then about a year and a half into it, I went into finishing carpentry. And I got a job with this guy who he had his own company. And it was just, I was only, his only apprentice. And uh, he was amazing, like incredible worker. He had he'd worked in carpentry for like his whole life. And so he knew finishing like the back of his hand. And so it was great to have him as my um, journeyman. And so it was a really, really sweet opportunity. After about six months, and he had taught me so much. He taught me how to do like a house on my own, and I had my own truck and my own tools. And he was like, okay, like I think you're ready. I think I'm going to send you out. 
I think I'm going to get you to start working on houses on your own. And it was kind of nerve-wracking because this company that he had was well-known. All the builders around knew who he was. They knew he did good work. And that was kind of scary because he's like, I'm going to send you out. And I knew going out that I was holding the name of his company. That people were going to see my work and they were going to um, see it as his company. And so I had to make sure that this work was good. And so he's giving me all this trust. And I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. But he sent me out. And so I did one or two houses and it actually went really, really well. It went really well and my work was great. And um, the homeowners, they were like, oh, this is amazing. This is the usual work from this company. This is awesome. And then a couple more houses in, my work started to kind of go down. At that time, I was a little bit disobedient, and I was kind of a lazy worker, and so my work just got a little bit sloppy. I forgot what he taught me, I didn't do the things that he had told me to do, and I didn't follow the ways that he had done it. And so my work was starting to get a little bit sloppy. And so word got around, and he showed up at a house one day, and he was like, hey Chase, like, I've kind of heard around that your work is getting a little bit sloppy, and he like really gracefully corrected me, and he was like, hey, just remember like the things I taught you to do those things and all that, and I was like, okay, okay. So he left, and then in my head, I'm kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if he's right. I was like, I'm pretty good at what I do, so I didn't listen. I was disobedient. I, uh, I continued to do it my way, and one thing I did, though, I was like, you know what? Maybe something has gone wrong. Maybe I'm going too fast. I think I need to slow down. So I was like, I'm going to slow down. This is my idea. And so it gave me so much time. It was amazing. I had time to vape out of every single window. And I had time to Snapchat all my friends that I was working on multi-million dollar custom homes. It was awesome. <laughs> but that was my solution. I was just continuing to be disobedient. And so my work continued to go downhill and downhill and downhill until the day. And, uh, and this, this one day happened, and I started working on, like, the nicest house I'd ever worked on. And this house is beautiful. This basement, it's massive. There's, like, a, a subsection of the basement with three rooms for the cleaning staff. They had their own kitchen. It was crazy. They had an elevator in this house. There was, like, two walk-out balconies. This house was beautiful. The master bedroom was, like, bigger than the main floor in my house right now, and that's not even including the walk-in closet. It was crazy. But the, the material was actually like relatively easy to work with. And so I was like, okay, I can take on this house. But the one thing was is there was these doors. And these doors were beautiful. They were like $800 a piece. They were like solid core, heavy doors. They were like 200 pounds. Just amazing. So my boss comes and he's like, hey, Chase, like, we got to put magnets on six of these doors. They're, they're going to be closet doors. And so they got to have magnets on them because they got a latch. And so I was like, okay. Like, I've, I've done that before. Seems pretty easy. Um, so that's the last job that I had on this house. And so I'm, I'm doing these doors, and I do five of them, and it goes completely, completely well. And I'm like, you know what? I, uh, I got plans after this. I got a party to go to. So I don't think I'm going to listen to what he told me, and I think that I'm going to just eyeball it. And so I have to drill this hole on the top of the door, right? And I'm like, you know what? Like, I can do it quickly. So I, so I eyeball it, and I start drilling, and I hear this crack. And I had not heard that crack on the other five doors. And so I'm like, oh. And I look down the side of the door, and this crack is forming all the way down. And this $800 door, like right in front of my eyes, splits in two and just hits the ground. And I'm like, you're kidding. I was like horrified. It was so bad. But it got worse. That day was the day that my boss decided to come and check up on me. 
and he walks into the house, into the room, and I'm sitting there looking at this door in half. And I make eye contact with him, and it was like, ugh, I feel gross just thinking about it, because it was literally just this moment where I was like, I know that he's got something to say to me, and he knows that because my work has been dropping for so long, he's like, I knew this was going to happen. And he looks at me, and, and I know that there's punishment coming, and I know that we're going to have to have a talk, but he kind of gathered his wits, and he looked at me. And he's like, Chase, you know what? He's like, this is my company, and you're my employee, and we're going to fix this. And it was just like, I, in that moment, I wanted to cry. I didn't cry as much back then, but I, <laughs> if it happened now, I would probably cry. But this, it was just this grace that he was showing me. And it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because of my disobedience or anything like that. I wasn't doing good work. But because he was looking after his company's name. He was like, you know what? Like, I chose you as my employee. I sent you out to do this. We're going to make it right together. And so we glued that door back together. We slapped it back on, and it looked amazing. You couldn't even tell. And, and my boss, he didn't even tell the homeowners that I did that. And not, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. You couldn't tell it was fixed properly. It's all good. But he used me to keep his company's name. He used me to keep his company's name. And that's our parallel today. We see in this passage that we have this disobedient Israelite people. Just like me, the disobedient worker. And we have this good God. This God that's promised them things. This God that's brought them into this amazing land. And the one good thing about God in this passage is he actually gives us context himself. So I'm just going to read. So verse 16, it says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. When the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanness in my sight. And this is not God condemning women for their period. Don't worry. This comes from their ceremonial laws in order to maintain good hygiene, but also, and what is being used for here, is to remind the Israelites that God is holy and they are not. And it goes 18, so I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered throughout the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people. And yet they had to leave his land. I had concern for my holy name, which the people of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. So what's going on here? It kind of sounds like this wrathful, evil God. It has a little bit of that that tinge to it, but we need to understand God's wrath really quickly. And so God says, so I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land. What these Israelites were doing is they had been given this amazing promised land by God. And God's plan for them was to prosper in this land. God's plan for them was to be fruitful and then to go out and tell everyone about how good God is. But the Israelites disobeyed. And it says they shed blood in the land. What these Israelites were doing is they were sacrificing their sons and daughters to pagan gods. Not only that, but they were also breaking all of the commandments that God had given them in order to live in a right way with God. So God says, I disperse them among the nations. So this nation of Babylon, this evil nation came and they took over Israel. And they took all the Israelites and they put them in captivity. And he says, I judge them according to their conduct and actions. So that's their judgment. They've been taken over. They've lost this land that God has given them because they were disobedient. 
And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name, for it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. And so we see that this wrath, it isn't actually something that's evil, but if any parent, I think, sees that their kids are sacrificing their own children, something has to happen. So it's not God being evil, it's not him condemning them, it's him giving rightful punishment. But what I want us to see here is not that, I just wanted to give us a quick understanding of God's wrath, but what I want us to see here is this last verse that says, I had concern for my holy name. God is concerned. God is concerned, and so why is he concerned? Why does he say that at the end? Why does he say, I had concern for my holy name? Well, in order to understand that, we're going to go back even further. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis. It's the first book in the Old Testament. And Pastor Harrison's been kind of preaching from it a little bit in our past series to give us an understanding of our worldview. But we're going to go a little bit farther in it to Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. And one thing I want us to know, there's a lot of talk about his holy name. In, in Hebrew culture, then, your name was part of your identity. Your name told a story. And so keep that in mind as we go through this. Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, his name soon changed to Abraham, but go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So we see this promise from God. We see this promise to Abraham that his generations are gonna be used as a blessing, and God is gonna bless them. That's those people, the Israelite people, the nation, or the generations that have come from Abraham. God has chosen to bless them, and he's chosen to use them to save the world through them. And so fast forward 1,500 years, the same people, the same people that God blessed at that time and said, I'm going to use you, they're now in exile because they've been disobedient. So this nation, since that time of Abraham, has been continuously disobedient. This isn't the first time that they've been disobedient. We see throughout the whole Old Testament that they're continually disobedient again and again and again. And God is faithfully saying again and again and again to them that he will bless them. And he will bless the world through them. And here we move on to the passage to verse 22. And this is what God has to say to them. It says, therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It's not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm doing these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations. Just so you guys know, profane just means brought shame upon. So which you have brought shame upon among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy. And this is the part I want us to see, through you, before their eyes. Holy through you. So the first thing I want us to see in this section of the passage is that God is holy. God is holy. God is set apart. God cannot be seen with sin. God cannot be in partnership with sin. He's holy. And so he's reminding these Israelites, he's like, it's not for your sake. It's not because of what you've done. This following blessing that I'm about to give and I'm about to remind you of, it's not because of what you've done. You've been disobedient. But it's because of who I am, he's saying. God is holy. This blessing that he gave to Abraham, the same blessing 
the same promise to use them. That's God has attached his name to the Israelites, his identity, a part of who he is. He said, I am going to use you guys through you. And when we look at this passage, when it's on its own, it can almost seem like it's condemning them. Like you can almost hear this voice like God saying, like, I am so holy, you guys suck. You guys have been disobedient, you've been bad, so I'm going to take the reins and it's going to be me now. I'm not going to use you guys. This, you guys. I'm done with you guys, you're disobedient. The same thing as my boss could have just said, you're fired. I've had enough of you, I'm done with you. And no one would have looked twice at it. Like you see these people, they're sacrificing their own children. No one would have blamed God. But those words, I am proved holy through you. Through you, it's that same promise that he gave to Abraham. What we're seeing here is that God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promise. And so just as my boss used me to show his good work, God is being faithful to that promise to Abraham and his descendants to use them to save the world. So like I said, it can be easy to hear that condemning tone, but I think what the tone that God is actually using is it's almost like these, these disobedient children are like running around and God is this father trying to get their attention. It's like God is standing there and he's like, hey, remember me. I have a plan for you and a plan for the world. Hey guys, remember me. Remember? Remember all those disobedient and awful things you did that according to the laws that we agreed to technically means I have the rights to completely destroy you for your sinfulness? Guys, remember that? Well, guess what? I'm not going to. I actually want to save you. And I want to use you to save the world. I love you guys. Because my name is holy. Because in my name it's attached to mercy and grace and love. My name is so much greater than your sin. My name is so much more merciful than any other name. Look at me, you guys. I'm right here waiting to save you. You guys, guess what? You guys, in the future of my plans, Chase needs you. Audrey needs you. Pastor Harrison needs you. Roger needs you. Mark needs you. Every soul in Kingdom Church needs you. The world needs you. Not because of who you are, but because of what I promised you. And you guys, I have good news for you. Even if you continue to disobey, even if you don't respond to this, I am holy. I am a holy God. I will make it happen. And I will use you. And we see this in verse 24, this beautiful promise that God is reminding them of. He says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And here it is. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You guys, God is not done yet. Sin does not scare God. Disobedience does not scare God. He hates it, but that will never get in the way of his love to his people. And what I want us to see here is that God is here to save. God is here to save. In this passage, in this promise, we see Jesus. We see the Son of God coming to earth as a Jew, as an Israelite, as a descendant of Abraham. Remember that promise? That he's going to save the world through them? We see the Son of God as a Jew walking the earth with 12 disciples 
and he's giving them new hearts. And every person he sees, they're receiving new hearts when they believe in him. And then Jesus dies on the cross. He takes sin upon himself and then he resurrects from the grave after three days and he shows that sin and death do not have power over him because God is holy. Because God is set apart from sin. And when he resurrects, he gives these new hearts because there's hope. There's hope that death does not have power anymore. Sin does not have power anymore. There's hope. There's a new heart for people. But he's not even done yet. Jesus resurrects and he stays with his disciples for a little bit. But then he says, I am going back to the Father. I'm going to send my spirit to you. So after 10 days, after Jesus has left for 10 days, the spirit falls on the disciples and the people around them and the church begins. Do you guys hear the correlation? A new heart and a new spirit. This prophecy from 600 years ago has now come to fruition in the life of Jesus Christ. God is true to his word. He is holy. But he's not even done yet. (laughs) What I want us to see is that the people who crucified Christ were Israelites. Disobedience. They were not able to see who Jesus was. They were not able to see that in this promise of a new heart and a new spirit was the Son of God. And they were the ones who crucified him. These people that God had chosen, these blessed people, were the ones that crucified him. And a sad parallel is that when they were sent into exile, what God's reminding them in this passage is they were sacrificing their sons and their daughters. They've now sacrificed the Son of God. And so what? Is that just it? Is that just it for the Israelites? God's not done with them yet. He's not done with them yet. They were also the ones who persecuted the church. They were also the ones who continued to kill Christians. And they actually cut themselves off completely from Christianity. And so it leaves us with this question because the gospel has gone out to the Gentiles. Gentiles are just anyone who's not a Jew. That's all of us. The gospel has gone out. But it leaves us with this question. What about the Jews? What about the Israelites? What about the people of God? Is God really holy if he didn't save all of his people? We go to Romans chapter 11. Verse 11, this is Paul referring to the Jews rejecting Jesus. Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. And God's plans are so good that not only has he given us eternal life, not only has he given us a new heart and a new spirit, but he's also now using the Gentiles the same way that he used the Jews. He's like, I'm going to use you through you. Through you, you're going to make Israel envious again. Through the beauty of the church, through the beauty of people pursuing me, I'm going to use you. And we see this, it's in the promise. That's why there's an answer to this question. What about the Jews? He says, then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. Verse 28, you will be my people and I will be your God. 
I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. God is holy. He's holy. He made this plan. He promised it. And he is true to his word. He's true to his word. So why am I telling you all of this? What, what's the point of this? Probably many of you have been in church before. You've heard this story. You've heard this beautiful story that God has. Or maybe it's your first time here and you're kind of confused and I lost you halfway through and you're like, what is this guy still doing up here? Why am I saying all of this? Well, we go back to the beginning when God promised Abraham that promise. And there's two things we see from that moment in time is that there's a choice. There's two options. There's choosing to live into this promise that God has given. There's choosing to live in obedience to the Lord because he is holy, because he is willing because he stays true to his word. There's this promise to receive a new heart and a new spirit. But then there's the other option, disobedience. There's this option that so many Israelites chose of disobedience. And that option is not gone do you guys want to know what it looks like to be disobedient now? Those Israelites way back then had less revelation of who God is than the church today. Disobedience looks like knowing that there's a kingdom of heaven and not praying for it and not seeking it and not going after it. Not wanting to live in it. It's knowing that there's a right and proper way to live following Jesus and not living that way. Disobedience looks like knowing that you're supposed to love your neighbor, but choosing not to because he doesn't agree with your political standing. Disobedience is saying that Christ is my Lord and Savior, telling everyone about it, but then living with work as our Lord and Savior. You guys, the Israelites knew who God was. They knew about God. They told everyone that they were God's chosen people. They made sure everyone knew that they were the chosen people of God but it was just a title a lot of the time. It was just a title. It wasn't in their hearts. And so now I want to speak to people who consider themselves Christians. If you don't consider yourself that, you're off the hook today. You're all good. But I want to speak to people who consider themselves Christians. Have you been disobedient? Have you brought shame to the name of the Lord? Prince, you can come up here. Can I tell you guys a story quick? I knew this Christian kid. He grew up in a Christian home with a Christian family. He went to church every single Sunday. He knew how much God loved him. He knew the story of Jesus. He knew that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for his sins. He knew all of that. 
He knew that there was a right and proper way to live. He knew that there was a spirit that God had given to help him to actually follow the ways of God. A spirit to empower him. He knew all of that. But he also had his own desires. And this kid decided that instead of following after the way that he knew was true, that he would be disobedient. So that kid watched all of the porn that he wanted to. That kid drank all the alcohol that he wanted to. That kid smoked all the nicotine that he wanted to. He lied to all the people that he wanted to. He wrecked all the relationships that he wanted to. That kid did not forgive the people that he knew he should forgive. That kid disobeyed his parents all he wanted to. That kid was disobedient. But then one day, one day Jesus showed himself to that kid. And he decided that he would try this out. He decided that he was done with being disobedient and he would be obedient to Jesus. And he received a new heart. And he asked for a new spirit and he received a new spirit. And this kid's life started to look up. His life started to change. This kid received healing in places that he never knew that he was even wounded. This kid was a new creation. He was born again. And this kid, his life just began to change. He became a part of a church. He, he, he built this new community that God had given him and he loved it and he saw his friends get baptized. He saw people grow in the Lord. He even got to baptize two of his friends. And Jesus just continued and continued to come to him and to show him how good he is. And he gave him purpose and he gave him vision for his life. He called him to vocational ministry. And now that kid is here preaching at Kingdom Church. And that kid has never been more sure of the decision that he made to receive a new heart and to ask for a new spirit. He's never been more sure. And you know where that all started? That moment when Jesus came to him? It started with repentance. It started with recognizing his own disobedience. Because God is holy. God does not desire us to live that way. God is willing to give us a new heart and to send his spirit to help us to live the way he's called us to live. So I have a call today, you guys. I have a call, and if, if you're here and you've never heard about Jesus before, that call is for you today. That you just heard this amazing story of a God whose plans are so much greater than anything you could have ever imagined. If you want to be a part of that story and a part of that plan, you want to receive a new heart and a new spirit, call us for you today. We're going to make space for that. But I have a second call as well. I have a second call, and that is for the disobedient one. Because I was there. I lived 21 years of my life in that place. So my call 
It's for the one that's been far from God, the one who knows about God but has not chosen to live that way. So we're going to go into a time of repentance. and Repentance is just a fancy word for I've been disobedient, but I'm choosing Jesus now. It's turning from something and turning to something else. And so it might be a little different than the usual Sunday morning. And so I'm going to give some clear instructions so it's not awkward and weird. But we're going to have a time of repentance. So what that's going to look like is, I'll say a prayer for us. And, and this is not a mandatory time. I want to make that clear. Once I'm done praying, if, if you, nothing's going on in your heart, if you don't want to respond, that's okay. That's totally okay. Just feel free to just um, go out into the lobby. You can hang out there whatever you want, but this is going to be a space just to respond. So if God has been doing something in your heart, if God has been placing something in your heart during this message, we're going to make time for you. And a lot of times in my um, journey of repentance, it's a continual thing, but one thing I've realized is that in those big moments where I've repented, the best thing is to receive prayer after. The best thing is to receive prayer. And so I'm going to get my prayer team. You guys can come up and you can just sit along the edge of this stage. Um, and so I just encourage you guys, if, uh, if you feel like God's doing something in you and you want to have a moment of repentance with him today, come and receive prayer after. You don't have to go and tell the person exactly what you repented of. You don't have to share your darkest secrets with them. But you can just say, hey, I just repented with God and I just want you to pray for me that that's sealed. That this moment is not forgotten. That this isn't a moment of just something in vain but this is actually a change in my life today and I want to celebrate with that with someone by them praying for me. Because it is a good thing. It is a great thing. And again, if, if you are accepting Jesus into your heart for the first time, I just want to say we have connect cards on the back of our seats so please fill one out after. We want to get in touch with you. We want to get to know you. And there's also lots of small groups to join as well to do that walk, to journey with us. And so we'd love that for you guys. And again, I just want to thank each and every person who gives as well, the Kingdom Church. You guys are such a blessing. And if, would, if you would like to give, um, you can give at the welcome desk at the back or you can give online at kingdomchurch.ca. But guys, I want to have a time of repentance. I want to make space for any person that feels like God is speaking to their heart. So again, feel free. You don't have to stay for this. But if you do want to stay, I encourage you to press into that. So I'm just going to pray for us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the plans that you have set in place. I thank you for the promises that you have given I thank you for the heart that you have for your people. God, and that you've given us new life, a new heart, and a new spirit. So God, right now I just want to pray. Whether it's the one that's never heard about you, that I, their eyes have been opened, God, and they, they want to receive that new heart. They want to turn from the ways that they've been living and they want to receive what you have for them, God. I pray for that heart. And God, I also pray for the one that's been disobedient. For the one that's turned away from you. For the one that knows about you, that has not chosen to follow you. God, I want to pray for courage. 
Lord, I know how hard it is to walk away from that disobedient lifestyle. I know how much conflict happened in my life after that, God, but I also know how much greater it is to live for you. I also know how much more blessing there is in my life because of it. I also know how much love I've received from you, Jesus. And so I pray for the one that you're calling today. That they would be able to sit with you and to turn from the ways that they're living to receive a new heart and your spirit. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So again, you guys feel free. You can take off if you need to. This is not a mandatory thing, but if you want to stay, please stay. Thank you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We hope it blessed you and that you were encouraged by it. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus or want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.